All right, we're going to take a look at Daniel chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, we're continuing the, the, what would I call it? The foreshadowing for the prophetic part of the book of Daniel is laid out for us in the first six chapters as we look at the practical experience of Daniel in God's deliverance, the times that God was there, how God moved, how God worked. We struggle with this concept sometimes, the idea that God actually does not need our help. What do you think? Sometimes we're pretty sure he needs our help, right? I need to do something. And one of the things that we can learn watching Daniel is there is a real spiritual strength in being still and waiting for God to move. Now, we aren't good at that. We're much better at getting in the way, right? We're much better at jumping up and saying, well, so I got to do something, so I'm going to do this. And one of the beautiful things we see about Daniel is a very consistent spiritual walk with the Lord, trusting God would give him the wisdom he needed in the moment that he needed it. And as we look at the chapters leading up to chapter 4, we've seen God's deliverance time and time and time again, right? The Lord has delivered, the Lord has delivered, the Lord has delivered. Now in chapter 4 is a little bit different theme. In chapter 4, this is a chapter dealing with God's judgment on pride. Now there's a reason why this is the central point in the first six chapters. They're going to focus in on the idea of, of the struggle of pride and how pride is going to really create a lot of problems and struggles in our life that are not necessary. And maybe you haven't noticed this. I know I have noticed this in my life. When I'm struggling in my pride, I, I tend to eat a lot of two-by-fours. The Lord uses those to get my attention. Like, what are you doing? The Bible tells us, what does God do with the proud? The Bible says he opposes the proud. Does anybody want to be in a position where, where God is opposing you? So what's the, what's the opposite? What is the path God wants us to walk? He wants us to walk in humility, right? And what does he say about the humble? The humble, the Lord says, I will lift you up. So we have this story, right? We have this idea of God's deliverance, God's presence, God's with us, and God's judgment on pride. That's a central point in Nebuchadnezzar's life. In chapter 4, as far as I know, is the only chapter in the Bible written by a pagan. That's Nebuchadnezzar's words we're going to look at. Now, I don't know if he was a pagan when he wrote it, but he was once. And it's not Daniel, though it's Daniel's story. So I just want to encourage you in these things. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and what's he promise. That's right. That's right. That means I'll know what to do, right? So we want to learn this, what the psalmist was laying out for us. Be still. And no, I am God. Now, my little parentheses I put in there is, and I don't need your help. Because a lot of times I think he does. He needs me to say something. I'm not saying he don't. If the Lord directs you, that's different. 
right? But a lot of times we are guilty of presumption. We presume what the Lord is doing, and we want to be sure. We are sure when we are trusting in the Lord with all our heart, not leaning in our own understanding, in all our ways acknowledging him and allow him to make our path straight. So Daniel chapter 4, it says, King Nebuchadnezzar to all the people. So who's writing it? King Nebuchadnezzar, right? It's not a trick question. King Nebuchadnezzar to all the peoples, nations, languages that dwell in all the earth. <clears throat> so this is a proclamation King Nebuchadnezzar put out. Peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. So this is King Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. His testimony of what God had done in his life. He says in verse 3, how great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is what kind of kingdom? Everlasting kingdom. His dominion endures how long? Forever, from generation to generation. So King Nebuchadnezzar is saying, look, it's my pleasure to tell you what God's done in my life. That's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool part in the book of Daniel. So verse 4, in case we had any doubts, starts with this phrase. I, Nebuchadnezzar. So who's writing it? Nebuchadnezzar. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. So he's like, I was having a chill day, everything was good, I'm happy, life is good. You know, at the time, there's probably no wars going on, which means he's conquered the earth for the most part. And so he's at rest in his palace. And then in the midst of his prosperity, verse 5, he says, I saw a dream that made me afraid. So he had a nightmare. And as I lay in bed, the, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. Now, we've seen this before with King Nebuchadnezzar, right? Yeah, the last time this happened, a lot, of, a lot of wise men lost their lives. So here we go again. He has a dream. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. So this time he doesn't ask them to tell them a dream. He tells them a dream. And he says, I, I want to know what this means. What, what, does, what does my dream Mean? What is it all about? So the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers came in, and I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. Now, in a moment, we're going to look at the dream, and I am going to suggest they knew what the dream was about, but they did not want to tell him what the dream is about. You guys know what Nebuchadnezzar does when he gets upset, right? So they're like, yeah, dude, uh, nope, I don't know what it means. You, go, you call Daniel. Let him figure this one out. And I want you to know, Daniel's still the chief, right? He's still the head of the, of the magi, head of the wise men. He's still there. This is probably somewhere in a neighborhood of <coughs> 30 years from chapter 3. So it's a long time. Daniel is probably 50 it's, it's right close, it's probably within the last few years of Nebuchadnezzar's life. He's going to have, obviously, seven more years and eight, nine more years from the time of this dream before uh, the Babylonian kingdom goes to his son and then goes to the Medes and the Persians. But, so it's come toward the end. Daniel's not a kid anymore. But he's still serving in that faithful place for King Nebuchadnezzar. So 
they said they couldn't make known. So at last, it says, Daniel came in before me. So I'm sure that all the guys were like, you know, we should call Daniel. I'm pretty sure we should call Daniel. You guys want to tell him what it means? Nope. Call Daniel. So the, the call goes out to Daniel. At last, Daniel came in before me. He who was named Belteshazzar after the name of my God in whom, uh, in whom, he's speaking of Daniel now, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. <laughs> so there was a view, and we're going to see a phrase here in chapter 4, and I don't have a lot of time to go too sideways, although I have been known to take rabbit trails at times. There is a biblical concept that is spoken of here about the watchers. And the watchers are part of the angels, right, whose responsibility was to, to issue the decrees and the judgment from, from Yahweh, from God Almighty. Now, this term, watchers, is not typical for the Bible. But it is in a book that comes much later than Daniel, uh, Second Temple period, a book called the Book of Enoch. Anybody ever heard of it? So the Book of Enoch, I know a lot of people have a lot of questions about it, so I won't get too derailed. The Book of Enoch was not written by Enoch because that would have been before Daniel. The book does not appear until the 400 years of silence. Okay, so that's after Ezra and Nehemiah. It's found in Qumran Cave 1. And what it helps us understand, it's not scripture, what it helps us understand is how the men at the time of Christ thought about spiritual warfare. It's how we understand how they thought about the angels, how they, how they thought the angels, the function of the angels was and the fall of man and, and what, what, uh, what, what uh, different aspects they were responsible for or may have been responsible for. So for that, it's interesting to understand their thought process and their history. But they use this term, the watchers. The watchers. Peter uses the term, that, uh, and Paul as well, that, that angels are watching. They're intently watching what's going on. They're eager to understand this, this uh, I don't know what you call it, this Petri dish we all live in, you know? And um, because their world's much different than ours, Right? You and I, we have not seen God. The angels, they see God's face all the time. So, so there's things that they want to look into. So there's this sense. So when, when Nebuchadnezzar says, the spirit of the holy, the good, Elohim, Elohim is plural. Yes, the name of God is sometimes called Elohim. But when it is, when it's referring to God, it uses singular adjectives with a plural uh, with the plural noun, which helps us understand they're talking about Yahweh. Because Elohim's not God's name, right? Elohim is the word for spirit being, and God is a spirit being, right? What are angels? Ministering spirits, right? So a similar term is used for them. So what is it that, that King Nebuchadnezzar is saying about Daniel? He's saying to Daniel, hey, the holy. Now, are there non-holy ones? So he says of Daniel, the holy ones are with him. Now, when we get further on the prophecies of Daniel, is Daniel going to receive messages from the angels? Is he? Yeah. If you haven't been through Daniel before, you're going to do it with me. And we'll see him praying and angels bringing responses to him, right? And so Nebuchadnezzar, this is what Nebuchadnezzar is talking about here. He's saying, look, he has the, the spirit of the holy God's is probably bad. It's confusing. It'd be better for us just to use the 
Hebrew word Elohim. The Holy Spirit beings are with him. And so he's saying, look, I know, uh, O Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, the chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and that no mystery is too difficult for you. Tell me the visions of my dream that I saw and their interpretation. So he's going to lay it out. So here's the vision. This is the vision I saw as I lay in my bed. I saw, behold, a tree in the midst of the earth. Its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, and its top reached to the heavens, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and in it was, the, was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. The birds of the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. So he has this vision of this great and beautiful tree. The great and beautiful tree maybe is a picture of what ancient cultures would call the world tree. And obviously this world tree, this kingdom that he's seeing is his own. Right? This tree that every, he's the ruler of it all. It's all over him. Everybody is sustained by him. But he goes on in verse 13. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay on my bed, behold, a watcher, <coughs> a holy one, came down from heaven. So he sees this angel come down. And he proclaimed aloud and said, chop down the tree, lop off its branches, strip off its leaves, scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it, the birds from its branches, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and of bronze, amid the tender grass of the field, and let him be wet. Now it's changed, right? The tree is a hymn. You see it? Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from man's, and the beast's mind be given to him, and let seven periods of time pass over him. Now the word for mind is literally the word heart. Let his heart be changed. It's a term that, that refers to his, his, uh, the seat of his, of his moral being. So the, the, the difference between heart and mind is even, is even conflated in, in our culture, right? The that we say, I think I should do in my heart, or, you know, we don't often say the same thing about our brain. It's the idea that, that this is the, the seat from which our emotions flow and our decisions flow. And so this tree, who is a man, is going to have his heart changed, and it will be a beast's heart that will be given to him. So he's not going to have the same type of thought process that he has now. And... The word seven iranin, seven iranin shall pass over him. That's seven years. Seven times will pass over him. And so for seven years, this tree, who is a man, will be given the heart of a beast. And for seven years, he will have the heart of the beast. And then he goes on, verse 17, the, set, the sentence is by the decree of the watchers. This is the watchers' decree. The decision by the word of the holy ones to the end that the living may know most high rules the kingdom of men. Now, I don't want you to miss it. 
Because there are times, the scripture tells us, we can look at it in the book of Kings, we don't have time tonight, where the Lord God will assemble together his angels and he'll say, what do you guys think we should do about this? And the angels will talk about it. Well, we think this or we think that. And Kings talks about it. Kings talks about an angel coming and the Lord saying, what should we do about this King Ahaz? What, what, what shall we do? And an angel stepped forward and said, we should put a lying spirit so that he believes the, the voice of the false prophets that he would go to battle to face judgment. Ultimately, he's going to be judged in this place. And the Lord says, let it be done. So, Heaven gives us, the word of God gives us insight to those things happening. Here, it would seem the same kind of thing is happening. This is by decree of the watchers, the holy ones. Perhaps similar to what we see in the book of Kings, where the Lord is saying, okay, Nebuchadnezzar's full of pride. We need to do something to bring him down. What do you guys think we should do? You ever thought about God that way? Yet there are two times the Bible talks about the Lord doing that. Talks about the Lord utilizing, what would you say, the gifts and wisdom of his angels, the holy ones. I think sometimes when we picture an eternity with the Lord, we, we don't know what to think about. Maybe we think we're all automatons or... You know, we get a, a ukulele and a cloud and we fly around and sing over the rainbow or something. But in reality, what we see in scripture is God utilizes his team. He's still sovereign. He's still sovereign, but he does that. We see it. We read about it. And here it would at least intimate that this is what's going on here. This is by decree of the watchers, the holy ones, the angels, which would be those who were in kings sitting on the divine council with God <coughs> and giving the Lord ideas, what they thought should be done for judgment in that case. <coughs> and what is the purpose of this judgment? So that the living would know the most high rules the kingdom of men. Who is king of kings? Don't say Joe Biden. Yeah. Jesus is king of kings, lord of lords, ruler of the whole earth. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's all his. And he is accomplishing his good purpose in all of creation. It says he gives it to whom he will and he sets over it the lowliest of men. So the Lord is going, we've seen this already in the book of Daniel, who raises up kings? God does. And sometimes those kings he raises up are for judgment, right? Yeah, one of the things that the Bible teaches is God's people get the king they deserve. I know we don't always like that thought. But scripture we see it, right? The Lord says, I, I brought this king because this king's going to bring this judgment. Because the heart of the people has turned far from me. And so here you have this decree given out. The Lord saying he's the one who raises up kings. So it comes to Daniel. Daniel, are you going to tell the king what all this means? <coughs> so 
It says, um, this dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw, and you, O Belteshazzar, tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation. Now, maybe they, maybe they just don't know. Maybe I've studied it too much and it looks obvious to me, but I think what the king is saying to, to Daniel is, I know you'll tell me the truth. Do you have somebody in your life who will do that for you? Who will tell you the truth? Not what you want to hear. Not, they're not necessarily going to rally to your side. They're not necessarily going to, going to just you know be supportive no matter what but they'll be honest with you and tell you the truth that's who daniel was the king nebuchadnezzar he says i know you will tell me so daniel whose name was belteshazzar was dismayed for a while he's dismayed because he knows what it means and his thoughts alarmed him so the king answered and said belteshazzar let not the dream or the inter interpretation alarm you for one time in Nebuchadnezzar's life he had self-control and so Belteshazzar said my lord may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies and then he said here is the bad news the tree you saw which grew became strong so that its top reached to heaven and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. The leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, in which was food for all, under which the beasts of the field found shade, and in whose branches the birds of the heavens lived. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to heaven, and your dominion to the ends of the earth. That's the end of the good news. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field, and let him be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven periods pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. <clears throat> it is the decree <clears throat> of the Most High which has come upon my Lord the King. You shall be driven from among men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You, you shall be made to eat grass like an ox. You shall be wet with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. And as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom will be confirmed to you from that time that you might know heaven rules. So the whole lesson for Nebuchadnezzar is, I don't need you. Now Nebuchadnezzar would look over his kingdom and say, look at this incredible kingdom I have built. Look at all the things I've done. Look at how well I have led. And, and those things may be true. He may have led well. He may have been a good king. He may have made wise decisions. But everything he did was in the hands of his maker. And the Lord's going to prove it to him. He's going to spend seven years crazy as a loon. Seven years eating grass. Not among men running around wild in the fields. And the Lord said, and your kingdom will not 
depart you. You tell me. Now, maybe until recently I would have thought a, a crazy president couldn't keep ruling. Maybe he can. But I can't imagine the kind of things that we're going to read about Nebuchadnezzar and the United States saying, yeah, that's still our president. Right? Or we're still going to follow this, and this is the one for us. And so as we look at it, this is going to be the loss not only of his power to rule, but his sanity as well. And when it's all over and done, the words that he wrote in the first three verses will be what he writes at the end. The Lord God is with me. This is his kingdom, and I am his servant. And so this is what he's getting across. So here's the, the advice Daniel has for the king. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. So Daniel's going to say, look, we don't want this to happen. So here's what you should do. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness. So one of the common things that we see in the lives of believers across time is the concept of repentance and walking in righteousness. And we always struggle with the ideas. In fact, we had, it was interesting, I had some, uh, some interesting conversations in, in, uh, about uh, Sunday's sermon. Remember, I was talking about um, adding to your faith uh, these things, these disciplines within the, Christian, within the Christian life. And sometimes we only think that's self-will. It's not only self-will. We have to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. But it is, it does require your will. It's not pixie dust, right? But it, it, so it does require you to have skin in the game, right? I want to follow you, Lord. I want to be obedient to you. Even if what you're doing is saying, Lord, fill me with your spirit so I can do these things. Empower me to be the man you're asking me to be. It's calling out, reaching out for, for what the Lord will do in and through us. And so here... Daniel's saying, look, you need to break off your sin. Repent of the things you ought not be doing and walk in righteousness. Do the things you know you ought to do. Now, those are the areas we struggle in, right? Practically, it's like what Paul wrote in Romans 7. The things I think I should do, I don't do. The things I am pretty sure I shouldn't do, those are the things I practice. Right? Isn't that what Paul said? And he tells us in Romans 7 that, that he's delivered from the body of death by Jesus Christ our Lord. So Jesus has given us everything we need so that we can overcome. Everything we need, he's given us. But we still have to walk in reliance on his provision. If we don't walk in reliance on his provision, if we don't make the choice in the morning that says, I'm going to seek the Lord today. It's not magically going to happen. But when we do, the Lord will, I don't know, superimpose himself in our obedience. He will move and work and draw and call and equip, right? So that we might be uh, built up into the people that God wants us to be. So here... Daniel is saying to the king, look, you need to break off your sin and walk in righteousness. Yeah, there's things you're doing you know you shouldn't do. For example, he says, your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed. 
One of the things we see every world leader do throughout time, from the beginning of time until the end of time, is oppress the poor. Oppress the weak. And so he's saying here, you know, the Lord, you want to turn from your iniquity. So you want to have mercy on the oppressed. You know, be the defender. Does the Lord ever tell us to be the defender of the weak? Right? So we have these ideas laid out for us in Scripture. And what's his point? Listen to what Daniel says, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. Maybe, maybe this, uh, this judgment won't come if there's changes that you make. So Scripture goes on to tell us what happened. It says in verse 28, So all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, so he had a year, right? Sometimes that's, that's the best we can do in our self-will. I'm going to be good. <laughs> Kathy caught me buying a monster today. Okay, look. Not enough to kill me yet. So, anyway, she caught me. So, bad. <laughs> I've made it like two days. So, we'll still work on it. But here, Nebuchadnezzar, he did better than me. He made it a year. And it says, at the end of 12 months, he's walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king said, is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence for the glory of my majesty. Listen to what it says. While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. So the decree is spoken in his hearing. You shall be driven among men, and your dwelling will be with the beasts of the field, and you will be made to eat grass like an ox, Seven periods of time will pass over you until you know the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. And immediately the word was fulfilled. So Nebuchadnezzar leaves his palace and lives for seven years like an ox, eating grass. It says his body was wet with the dew of heaven and his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. So his, his nails are growing long. He's got dreadlocks, right? He's got dreadlocks. He's not cutting his hair. He's not washing his hair. He's, he's living like a wild beast out in the field. And this occurred immediately because God is the preeminent one, not Nebuchadnezzar, not me, not you. God is. And I know we don't think he knows what he's doing all the time. But he knows what he is doing. And in his providence, God will use whatever is necessary to bring Nebuchadnezzar to a position of humility wherein he reaches up for the God of heaven. And that just so happened to take seven years living like a crazy man. Seven years out on the front lawn of the White House, walking on all fours, 
chewing on grass, rolling around, you know, people coming out taking pictures. What's that? Oh, that's our crazy king. <coughs> but you see, what God promised him was, you won't lose your kingdom because you're not the one who's holding it. God says, I am. We need to be reminded of that. Because you are not holding on to your kingdom. God is. It's his purposes that will be fulfilled. And we need to trust him and be still and know he is God. Is he able? For sure. Can he sustain us even when we're crazy? For sure he can, right? We see it, right, in Nebuchadnezzar's life? Seven years. I can't imagine that. Seven years of people walking by. All the people who want Nebuchadnezzar's job. Think about, you know, you think you could be king and nobody wants to be king. Right? You think his, his sons or his grandsons or whoever was next in line for the throne is not licking his lips like, hey, 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 <clears throat> the old man's gone crazy. <clears throat> it's my time. But none of that happens. Because God sustains his kingdom. And that's the lesson that God wants him to understand. Listen to what happens at the end. Verse 34 says, At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. So when seven years were up, Nebuchadnezzar lifted his matted head, long hair, crazy nails. He lifted his head up to heaven and he blessed the Most High. Because as his senses return to him, he recognizes, for seven years I did nothing. I made no decisions. I did not get out there to help or to do th something or to take care of this issue or that issue or the other. I did absolutely nothing. I wallowed in the grass like a crazy man. And my kingdom is still here. Who is in charge? We're pretty sure God needs us. I think God uses us because he wants to use us because that's how God is. But God doesn't need us. And too often, all too often, my issue is getting in the way. God's trying to do something and I get in the way and muck it up. I make it more complicated than it needed to be. And there's other times when I should have stood up and said something, but I didn't stand up and say something because I was not being obedient to God's direction. How do I know the difference? Well, we make a decision, right? We make a decision that says, I'm going to walk in righteousness. I'm going to turn from my sin, and I want what you, whatever you have for me, Lord. And we reach up our hands to him, and we walk in obedience to what God is calling us to. And he will do what you and I cannot do. He will accomplish what you and I cannot accomplish. So he said, I bless the Most High, praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is how long? Everlasting dominion. His kingdoms endure from generation to generation. How many of the inhabitants of the earth? All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. 
He does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand. You cannot stop what God has ordained to come to pass. But you can be a part of what God has ordained will come to pass. Let me ask you a question. If your will and God's will are in opposition, who's wrong? I think we get confused by that sometimes. Lord, I can't believe this is how this went. You sure? I don't know, maybe it's too simplistic, but it comforts me to know that God is accomplishing his purpose. Even despite my frailties or failures or struggles, God is accomplishing his purpose, and I trust him implicitly as we go along the way. As I, as I lift up my hand to him, I know his kingdom endures from generation to generation. It says in verse 36, At the same time my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. So the Lord humbled Nebuchadnezzar for seven years. Not, you're not going to get much humbler than living like an animal. You, have you thought about what that means? Just spend some time thinking about what would that mean, living like an animal? There was a kid I went to high school with long time ago. And <coughs> he uh, used, he dropped a sheet of acid one night and he never came back. So as far as I know, if he's still alive today, he's still on the same trip. He's homeless. Whenever, the last time I saw him, he was on the corner in Yucaipa, California, in the middle of traffic and God and everyone pooping on the sidewalk. For seven years, he lived like an animal. God humbled him for seven years. And at the end of the seven years, God exalted him lifted him up so that we might understand by practical application God's ability did not depend on Nebuchadnezzar in any way, did it? It all depended on the Lord, what God was able to do. And so we want to, we want to uh, align our wills with him. We want to say along with Christ, right? Nevertheless, not my will, yours be done. Lord, work in me, move in me, change me. We need to lay down our pride. And we need to allow God to do the work that he wants to do in us. His Lord sought him out. His counselors came to him. His kingdom increased. So he closes the chapter with this phrase. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. For all his works are right. His ways are just. And those who walk in pride... He is able to humble. I pray as we study these opening chapters of Daniel, we're able to be 
prepared for the visions Daniel is going to share with us of what this great God is doing, has done, and will do. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time, Lord, that we can be gathered and we can we can look, God, into your word, Lord. Understand, we want to know your word. We want to hold fast to your word. We want to <clears throat> allow your word to govern us. Lord, it is you who sit on the throne. And I pray, God, that we would trust you implicitly, that we would put our hope in you, that we would know above and beyond all things, God, that you, you are able to do abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine. That you are able to establish the kingdom. You are able to guide the church. You are able to help my, my home, my family. There's no job too big and none too small for the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the sovereign over all. You are able. So help, help us learn. Help us understand, God. As you call for men to humble themselves before you, perhaps that's the key. That we come and we say, I can't, I can't get this change. I can't, I can't seem to, to make it lasting or permanent. We humble ourselves before our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We put our trust, our hope in him. And he gives us the anointing of the Holy Spirit to equip us to be what we need to be. God, I pray that we would live out our days in reliance on you that you would be glorified and magnified in it all. In Jesus' name.